are Locked On Wildcats. Your daily podcast on the Arizona Wildcats. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Thanks for keeping a Locked On Wildcats. I'm Mike Luke. Joined by John Brogan. We've got uh, got a lot to break down right here. And uh, first of all, Arizona loses 80 to 69 to an Oregon team that just felt when, when you watch this game, Brogan, it just felt like Oregon was just a little bit better of a team. And we're going to break down details here. We're going to give our thoughts on the end of the season coming forward. But that was kind of my first thought when I was watching this game. What do you say? Yeah. And heading into this game, you knew Arizona's margin for error was going to be pretty small. Um, and then when Oregon comes out and, you know, shoots the three as well as that, as they did, um, you know, Arizona is going to be in trouble and Arizona, I think got a little lucky tonight because Oregon got off to a hot start and was up, I think 16 to eight. And then they had like a six minute drought where they didn't make a field goal. And that allowed Arizona to really get some momentum and be in the game. It could have got ugly early. Um, but Arizona was kind of, kind of able to hang around, but you saw a ton of offensive rebounds, too many threes. That's typically a really bad recipe, um, no matter who you play. Not much, you know, much less playing a team like Oregon, who's got who's got a lot of talent. And I think the thing that really kind of uh, struck my attention was, and Miller talked about this before the game, that in order for Arizona to win this game, Oregon, Arizona was going to have to keep Oregon off the glass, period. And Oregon, like you just said, they got too many offensive rebounds, 11 offensive rebounds. Granted, Arizona got seven. But at the same time, though, there were how many times did it feel like there were times when Oregon was just kind of playing volleyball at the rim? Yeah, not all plays are created equal. It's easy to look at the stats after the game and say, well, hey, offensive rebounds were only 11 to 7, but Oregon's Oregon's offensive rebounds felt a lot more impactful. They were putbacks. They were and ones. Arizona's felt like, or they were kick out for threes. Arizona felt like I tipped a ball out to a guard. We reset up our offense. We had to grind against you know the defense again. Maybe we got a bucket, maybe we didn't. Um, but Oregon, they're too talented and too good for you to just let them beat you on the glass, especially when you have a noticeable height advantage at the four and the five. Um, sure, you're a little shorter at the guard position, but when you're bigger up front like that, you don't expect to get beat on the glass the way Arizona did tonight. Right, and a guy like Azulis Tabellis was uh... – he had a he had a big game statistically in the when Arizona played Oregon previously, and I always thought that he was going to have to be able to at least offset Eugene Omaruri, and that really didn't happen here today. I mean, he was never going to stop Omaruri because honestly, as Bill Walton says, Eugene from Eugene has a he's he's a tough matchup for Arizona. He's a tough matchup for a lot of people, but if he was going to have twenty one points, four steals, five boards. I was going to need somebody like Azulis Tabellis to be able to counteract that. And Azulis really didn't even get going until the second half. So to me, as far as the front court goes, if Azulis doesn't have a good game against Oregon, it was going to be tough for them to be able to hold serve here with, against the Ducks. Yeah, and Oregon did a good job. They sped him up big time. They were running double teams at him. They were getting to him early, forcing him to get rid of the ball. They fronted him a lot when he was on the block. And so they just didn't really let him get any rhythm in the first half. You know, it's midway through the second half when he kind of gets the end one um, that that got him on the board and kind of got to go got him going a little bit. But by, by then, Oregon already had a bunch of momentum. Um, and you know, the thing that's tough about this game is Omaruri and Duarte are the two oldest but best players on the court. 
And so if Arizona doesn't have two of their guys step up and match that, it's going to be hard for them to beat Oregon regardless. Um, and you look at Duarte and Omarie, 22 and 21 apiece. Um, you know, they made seven threes between the two of them, 13 or 12 free throws between the two of them. So if they're going to have that type of game, and then Arizona has one of their better players kind of lay an egg like Tubelis did in the first half, it's going to be a hard game for Arizona to win. And then you look at it, we're going to break down the individual performances a little bit uh, in the second segment, but you look at it and Arizona needed that third guy to be able to really make that difference here. Again, James Akinjo, 19 points. Julius kind of got going there in the second half, but whether that was Kerr Creesa, you needed more than the two threes that he made early on in the game. Ben Matherin, 9.7 rebounds, but let's be honest, it didn't, it wasn't an impactful nine points and seven rebounds. Like you said, not all stats are the same and you just go up and down. There's way too many four points, five points, four points. You needed that third guy to be able to emerge. And quite frankly, that just never really happened. Yeah. And if, if you look at this game, you know, Oregon was 12 for 22 from three, Arizona was eight for 23. Um, you know, there's the difference in the game. There's, there's 12 points there. Oregon's 18 for 22 from the free throw line. Arizona's 13 for 19. So I think on the surface, Arizona played well enough to for this game to be a little closer if they shoot a little better from three. Um, but, you know, once Oregon went on that run midway through the second half and was able to push the lead up to like six or seven, I think it was, then you could tell Oregon had confidence and there was pretty much no looking back. And then the game just kind of stayed level. You know, Oregon pushed it up to... 13 or 15 at one point, but it just kind of stayed level where Oregon's like, look, now that we got the lead, we're going to be able to score enough points um, that the game's not going to matter. And so again, if Arizona's not going to be able to match Oregon's output from the three point line or the free throw line, I don't know that they had enough talent this season to be able to win that game without matching them kind of statistically from the three point line and the free throw line. And I think from a, uh, I think from a, even more so from a statistical perspective, that one guy for that one guy for Arizona, you really were hoping, I think after the USC game that maybe we saw a little bit more out of Jordan Brown, maybe he could get you kind of that double double, but he's kind of reverted back to what we were talking about, where kind of a nice reserve role player and this offseason, and we'll talk about it a little bit here coming up, but this offseason, it's going to be imperative for Arizona to get that third guy to be able to make that difference. On the other side, though, let's talk a little bit about some of the individual matchups, though, that I found interesting. But as you guys know, rockauto.com is a family business, and my mother has actually partaken in rockauto.com, serving auto parts customers online for over 20 years. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, you can do a lot of different things with rockauto.com. And honestly, it's very easy to navigate. You get a lot of people that wonder, well, I really don't want to mess around with the internet. I don't want to do any of that. Like I said, I've got family members that have taken advantage of rockauto.com. And if my parents can do it, then you can certainly do it as well. One thing to remember, though, right locked on in their how did you hear about us box so that they know that we sent you rockauto.com. You're listening to Locked On Wildcats. Thanks for keeping it locked on Wildcats. I'm Mike Luke, joined by co-host John Brogan. 
Arizona Falls tonight, 80-69 to in their last game of the season. Now, there was one point during the game where I thought that Arizona had a chance to be able to maybe push that lead, and that's when Arizona got up six late in the first half. And Dana Altman then calls the timeout, and then Oregon quickly goes on that six or eight nothing run and takes the lead. That was really the only time during the game, Brogan, where I felt like Arizona had a real chance to maybe push that a little bit. And then even though Oregon's at home, you kind of wonder, do they start pressing a little bit? But after that timeout and Oregon got their feet again, it kind of felt like that was basically going to be downhill for them. And it more or less was. Yeah. And in the first half, it it really felt like every time Oregon needed a bucket, they got a three. And, and that kept Arizona from extending the lead to the point where, you know, if they get up 10, 12, 14, then Arizona's got some margin for error. If they go, you know, a couple possessions without a bucket, things like that. But Oregon was able to keep the game, you know, that later part of the first half at, you know, a maximum of six. And then obviously to close out the half, um, they were able to take that lead and then they, there was no looking back from there. But yeah, I totally agree. Oregon was able to, 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 again, you know, get some big plays, some timing plays, some timely plays when they needed it. And that kept them, you know, in the game long enough to where they could, you know, go on a run and, and pretty much not look back. All right. Now talking about some of the individual performances here, the one thing that I find that I think Arizona is going to have to work on a little bit this off season is either getting Daylon Terry more ready for action along with Benedict Matherin, because and this is probably a, an unfair sample size, but Arizona against Oregon, at least on the perimeter, looked small. Now, again, it's because Oregon's got really big wings. I get that, and you can get away with that in college. But it kind of dawned on me watching this game that you know what Kirk Kreese is going to be able to do. He's going to be your or your sharpshooter. He's going to be able to get things you know, going with the, uh, with the ball in his hands. But Arizona, to be, I think, kind of that next-level team, is going to have to be able to employ bigger wings on the court at the time. And right now, Dalen Terry, I think, is that one guy that they really need to be able to make that jump to be able to compete there because there were just too many times there where Oregon just sent guys to the boards. And you look at it, LJ Figueroa, five boards. Uh, Eric Williams Jr., six boards. Chris Duarte, seven boards. Then you compare and you contrast that with some of the other guys. Kirk Reese, a one rebound. Uh, Terrell Brown Jr., who played two rebounds. That, to me, was a real difference. And Arizona kind of looked small there. So I think, again, Dalen Terry is going to be a guy that they need to make that jump so he can play more minutes. Yeah, and 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 I don't know that if, if I'm too worried about that heading into next season because Oregon was a weird matchup. And most teams aren't constructed like Oregon is. You know, Duarte's a pro. So that was always going to be an issue for Arizona this year because, you know, to your point, Terry's young, Matherin's young, Duarte's a senior. And so, you know, are you going to run into a bunch of teams that can go 6-7, six, 6-7, seven, six, seven, six, seven at your 2-3-4? Not, not so often. Um, I think Arizona's going to need to have the ability to go big in spots next year. But I don't know if I'm too worried about that if I'm Coach Miller based off of this one game. I think it's just a bad matchup with Oregon, personally. Yeah, that's probably fair. It's just something that really kind of caught my attention out there. And up front, Arizona's got to figure out another guy who can be a consistent contributor next to uh, Azulis Tabellis. Now, 
Christian Coloco certainly has shown some moments, but you look at it, it always feels like Coloco is on the verge of committing a foul or getting into foul trouble. And again, probably could get a little bit better with that. I get that. Jordan Brown kind of is what he is. It would be nice to see one of those guys be able to take a jump to be able to be that guy next to Azulis Tabellis because right now you've got Azulis and then you've got a kind of a big question mark at that center position. Yeah, and what you saw tonight was, you know, Jordan Brown, I think, got sped up as much or more than than Tabellis did, and he wasn't ever able to get comfortable, and I think that's why you saw him kind of take a huge step back from the last couple of games he's had, but I totally agree. Arizona's going to need another option offensively, and they're also going to need their bigs to figure out how to guard defensively because that was one of the big things tonight was Oregon would just run through their offense, figure out the mismatch they liked, and a lot of times it was Duarte, it was Omer Ruri against a big, and Arizona's foot speed up front just isn't good enough to compete with that, and so you get fouls from Coloco, fouls from Jordan Brown, fouls from Tabellis. So I think that's something that teams will continue to try to expose is just switch into into these bigs and then try to try to beat them off the dribble because they are prone to fouling. Now, going into the uh, offseason, we're going to talk a lot about this. One guy, again, though, that really has played well, and Sean Miller uh, had obviously some nice things about him. The one guy that really played his game, I think, was still James Akinjo. Granted, 6 of 14 from the field, not terrible. 19 points, 8 assists two turnovers, you really saw that this guy in the last five, six games of the season really became that lead dog that Arizona needed. Yeah, and it's games like this where where even though we lost, I appreciate Akinjo more because there's moments in the game where he looks like the only player on Arizona's roster who looks like they can go out there and really get things done. They can get to the basket. They can hit a shot. They can set up a teammate. You know, Kerr's not quite there yet. Terrell Brown's impact on the game was pretty minimal. Matherin or Dalen Terry can't really attack off the dribble. And so Akinjo was really that only guy, especially tonight, that that seemed to really have that kind of ability of where, hey, I can go make a play for Arizona. And against a team like Oregon, where they're going to score points, that's tough for everything to kind of fall on his shoulders. But he still played really, really well tonight. We're going to take a, a quick little uh, quick little break here, and then we're going to come back and we're going to talk about, well, I'm going to talk about what exactly is going to be coming up here in the next couple shows, couple episodes, because it does feel like this is kind of a crossroads couple days, crossroads, well, heck, maybe a couple weeks for Arizona basketball in a manner that we really haven't seen recently. And you know what? If you wanted to get a bet in on something, whether that's a player, whether that's a movement, you're going to want to go to betonline.ag. Betonline.ag has all the latest odds and at the same time, They've got the best prop bets going. BetOnline.ag. You're listening to Locked On Wildcats. Thanks for keeping it locked on, Wildcats. I'm Mike Luke. This has been an amazingly turbulent season, I would say. I mean, heck, for Arizona fans, you could make the case that this has been an incredibly turbulent last four years. And good or bad, I kind of get the sense that this offseason is going to be an offseason where there's going to be a crossroads moment. Now, again, we've talked a lot on this program about you know the pros and cons of bringing back Coach Miller about how you kind of have an administration that, for whatever you think of them, are kind of difficult to be able to sit there and say, aha, I know what you're going to do. There really isn't any of that involved here. 
So, and that's why as an Arizona fan, I think that it's fairly, uh, you're, everybody's kind of in an uncomfortable situation right now because we don't know what's going to happen. And there hasn't really been any indication, yay or nay, on what Sean Miller's situation is going to be. You you hear all the rumblings that he hasn't been told anything good or bad about his status, and that's obviously a little bit unusual. This has been an administration that has backed him through thick and thin, and it would be a little odd to have him go into next season without a contract. But heck, it's also a little odd that he doesn't really know what exactly is going on to this point. Who knows? Maybe we're sitting here talking with in a week and he signed a new two-year deal or Arizona's moving on with a different coach. But from the coaching uncertainty to the NCAA notice of allegations to the IARP looking at this, I don't think anybody really has an idea of what's going on. And honestly, if somebody says for sure that they do know what's going on, they probably really don't, and you probably should question where exactly their sources are. Second of all, this has been an administration under President Robbins and Dave Hickey that has been able to keep everything pretty close to the vest. I think it's fair to say that uh, Jed Fish was a guy that President Robbins wanted as his head football coach, and he was able to keep that fairly quiet until the end. No small task in today's social media era, especially in a city like Tucson that cares about basketball like no other. Where this leaves us, I don't think that anybody really has any kind of an idea. Now, if you were talking about a new coach here, then you could be looking at a roster that's going to look totally different than the one that we've been breaking down and then the one that we've been previewing because in this NCAA era where people can transfer and come and go as they please, it's a different setup entirely. And I think that a lot of people don't really have an idea, again, what to expect. I don't want to keep repeating this, but on this pro on this program, I want to try to keep keep it real with you, as the kids would say. And while I think it makes a lot of sense to bring Miller back, the fact that nobody really knows anything is fairly unusual. And especially for people that tend to overthink things like myself, you kind of wonder, what does this really mean? Now, the good thing about this is I don't think that we're going to be sitting here talking about Arizona, not knowing what they're going to do a week from now, because honestly, this is something that you have to move on very quickly. We've seen this in the past where when Lute Olson finally retired, it seemed that then athletic director Jim Livengood had an idea that he was going to get Sean Calipari. But when he didn't get John Calipari, everything was basically up in the air. This should be a little bit different because you have an idea of what you're looking at here, and this shouldn't be catching up or creeping up on you. But college jobs come open all the time. Arizona's in a different situation entirely than they were at this point 11, 12 years ago. And you can make the case either way as to which situation Arizona's in. Are they a healthier program or are they less healthy? Nobody really knows, and I think that that's very much up for debate. But I will tell you this, we're going to keep you up to date as much as we can on this. And good or bad, this does feel like a crossroads offseason. And for this Arizona basketball team that just put the season in the book, you got to applaud the kids' effort because they fought till the very end. We'll be back with you tomorrow on Locked on Wildcats.